God's good, isn't he? And we forget. We forget so easily, but God is good. So um, we're not going to pray. We often pray at this point, but we're not doing it. So why should we do it? Just because it's what we always do. So what I want you to do, I want you to sit down and just remember that God is good because it's been a bit of a strange week. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm, I'm a bit frustrated to be British. I look around, I get a little bit embarrassed about some of the stuff that happens in our country. But on Thursday, my hope was restored because I saw the greatness of the British people. I don't know if anyone saw it, of, I think it was three or four people on skateboards with big shopping bags and sales going on having the race. And at that point, I know being British was quite awesome. And um, so, but there are parts of our culture that we sometimes get frustrated with. So we're in the middle of a, see, a series, of, or are we at the end? I don't know where we are, actually. I was only asked to about a week ago, so I'm not sure where I fit into the season or series. It's like, you know, it could be part of a mini-series that comes back later, who knows. Um, so we're doing a bit about mission, and Paul spoke last week, and he said to me this morning, did you listen? It's like, yeah. Said, do, you, do you know what I said? It's like, I can't remember what I preached on last time, let alone what anyone else preached on. And, and he said, but, but he did say, and, and when he told me, I remembered he said this, that you, to listen to it in combination with what I'd said uh, whenever I preached at some point uh, on, in the season series. You call it a season? I've been watching too much Netflix. And um, <laughs> I don't know if anyone did that. Paul then said to me, can I ask people to visit a new website that says that up to www.ratemypreacher.com, was it, Paul, where you've got to compare different sermons. I don't know why I asked you to launch them both side by side, but it was, he's got a plan and purpose, obviously. So... Um, but we, so, but we, both of us have talked um, around issues about how we demonstrate love to others and how God loves people and, and all of this sort of stuff. But actually, I'm going to move on from there today to talk about how do we talk to people. Because actually, I work for an evangelistic organisation, and when you work for an evangelistic organisation, it's really hard not to talk to people about Jesus, because that's your job. So, um, and actually, I still think people want, them, want you to talk to them about Jesus, I don't think anyone sat there going, please don't talk to me. Some people might be, but actually most people are quite open to talking. But I think sometimes our problem is how we do it. What I will do at the start is do a very quick advert for something that's coming up about this day. So I think it's the 9th of March. I did look at my diary, but I think, I'm up, I think it's the 9th. If that's a Wednesday, it's the 9th of March. We're going to start, I think, here on a, on a Wednesday night called the Happiness Lab. Um, and it's six evenings over six weeks where we're looking at what is to be happy. And it's a really low-key thing that you can bring friends to. But what we're saying is don't bring friends unless you really want to. Just come yourself so you can get the confidence to bring your friends later. Okay? Because you might suddenly go, but what if it's really weird? I completely understand that. One of the um, titles for my sermon today was um, it was voted down on it. was a 50-50 split in my family of should I call it shut up and stop being weird? So I understand that sometimes as Christians do things, that didn't win. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was a 50-50 split. And, um, but, um, but sometimes you, you do think, do I want to invite my friends along to this? Because what if it's a bit weird? So come along and experience it. Why not bring a, come as a small group? Our small group are doing it. Um, and I know some other people in there join us. And if it's just us, we're the only ones who are happy at the end of six weeks. So you lot can be miserable. You're cool. So, um, so, so that's that. And then Emma did pray for Youth of Christ, which I appreciate. But actually, if you do pray next weekend, we're taking a, 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 an indefined number of young people, because I keep forgetting. It's about 30 young people on a residential away. We did it two years ago, just before COVID. So I'm not quite sure what's going to happen after we, we come back. Um, at the moment, I think Mr. Putin might have something to say about that. Um, and then just before we went last time, there was really bad floods. And this time, we had a really bad storm. So honestly... <laughs> 
You might also want to pray that whilst the young people are really blessed and encountered God there, that um, we never arrange one ever again because um, <laughs> something's bad going on. But I didn't go with shut up and stop being weird, although I quite liked it, surprisingly enough. But, um, but I, I decided to, to, hear, to change a talk on evangelism to, to I can't hear you because I'm talking too loud. And if you look at our world, you look at our culture, you, it's quite easy to see a lot of people talking so loudly they can't hear anyone else. If you go on Twitter, anyone on Twitter? I love Twitter. I, I, I find it quite funny. And it's the best way of me getting quick news. But, um, and, and I've got lots of friends who use it. But um, Twitter's really full of angry people. And, and, and some of them, it's just hilarious because they're going, you're so angry, you don't even know you make yourself look really stupid. And, um, and, and they're just so busy shouting and talking that they're not listening. And honestly, if you think Twitter's bad, don't even look at Reddit because that's a whole new level. And some of you just don't, I have no idea what Reddit is, and that's probably the best way to be. But, um, but Reddit's on a whole new level, and you'll see it on all different forms of social media. There's a lot of people talking, but there's not many people listening. And it sort of sums up our world, really. And it often sums up our evangelism. And um, there is a thing about evangelism that you, you either at this point be going, oh, no, you're going to talk about why I need to tell people, OK? And, and I'm gonna, I will put it in the context, okay? I'll put it gently, that the, the, the Great Commission, where it's sort of about going to the world and make disciples, it didn't say if you're, an, if you're a gobby, loud expert, go and make disciples. It was to everyone. So there is a command for all of us to share the gospel, to actually go and tell others about Jesus. But then it gets a little bit awkward, and we don't actually like it. It's the, it's the least successful thing to title a book. If you want to write a book that no one buys, put evangelism in a title, and, um, and you'll just get weirdos like me that buy it. And, um, but we often don't talk about it. And, and what we often do when we um, do evangelism, it's a bit like Twitter evangelism or vomit evangelism, as I like to call it, um, is what we do is just vomit up our faith on someone, which is never a good thing to do, if it's any form of vomit. Um, and then we hope that they end up respond to it. And it's almost like we just try and get as much of it out as we possibly can, and we don't actually listen to the person. And the flip side of that is, you could call it wretched evangelism. You can tell I do youth work. Wretched evangelism is a bit like, you want to say something, but you do, oh, can't quite, you've got to swallow it down, because it's not going to be good. And then it just leaves a nasty taste in your mouth. And, um, and we often struggle to find what's the balance, what's, a, what's a, a normal way of doing evangelism, because it's amazing how many people get really weird when they start talking about Jesus. And um, whereas it can be something quite normal. What I've really missed in the pandemic, I've missed checkout queues, okay? I used to love checkout queues. They were great fun. And I used to, because it, for work, I often buy really weird combination of things in large quantities, okay? So, and you're just going, like, why have you just bought 500 cookies? It's like, well, hungry. And, um, and so, but I would always have, I'd have amazing conversations with people. And it would just be fun. It would be just great humoured. And it would be light. And I'd always be talking a little bit about Jesus. I had an amazing conversation as about Halloween one night. I can't, one evening. I can't remember what it was about now. But it was just great because it was, checkouts are wonderful opportunities to talk to people. Because they're bored and they can't run away. And um, so, <laughs> so actually, it's really good. But it's not just, it needs to be conversation. It's not just about it. Because actually, um, when we just throw up the gospel on people, we haven't stopped to think about the person. We're just on a Twitter well, we've just thrown it out there and we've not stopped to pay attention and we've not stopped to listen to them. And, um, and, uh, and we often then come back to, yeah, yeah, but Francis of Assisi said, 
preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. I'm going to break your bubble. He didn't say it. So, yeah, no, no, definitely. We all think he did, but he didn't. Well, he might have done. We don't know. So you might not be completely disappointed, Val. He might not have done. He might have done. We don't know. But he's not written it down anywhere, and that's how we know. But, and, and, but what we've done, we know, oh, that means I can, I can preach the gospel by being a great person, and if necessary, I can use words, which, we, which broadly, the interpretation, it means I don't need to use words because it won't be necessary. Okay? Let me add this to the context of this. Francis of Assisi. He was the equivalent of your Jonathan Edwards, your Billy Grahams, your um, Louis Palau's, you name it. He was a platform preacher, okay? He didn't shut up about the gospel. He told a lot of people about the gospel. So he, if, if he said it, and let's go on the line, he did say it, so Val is really happy still. And um, then if he said it, then he didn't mean you didn't talk about Jesus. He was saying you do talk about Jesus, but you make sure your light shines first through your life. And you can't have one without the other. So the demonstration that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks is great and it's amazing, but it can't just stop there. And Francis of Assisi never told us that, okay? But there are some amazing words of wisdom which are much more relevant. There was a film about 2000 called The Loser. Don't add it to your Netflix watch list. It's rubbish. But there's one great line. Where there's it, Dan Aykroyd is the dad and his son's about to go to university. He's going from this little... Um, small town, he's down to this big university which is bigger than the town he lives in and he's a bit scared, he's, he talks to his dad and Dan, but dad, what am I going to do? And his dad says this, he said, well, son, he gives some advice, he said, interested is interesting. Everybody's got a story and all they want is for someone to listen to it. All you've got to do is look at those people, look when you're talking to them, look, at, look them in the eye, focus hear their story, hear what they've got to say. You do that, and you can do no wrong. I think that's some of the best advice I've ever heard about conversation. When we get gap years come to work with Youth for Christ, I often sit them down and say, right, you need to talk to people, because it's weird if you don't. You're going to be living in a house with them. You do need to talk to them. And I always say to start off by asking them questions, because when you ask people questions, it starts a conversation. And... Um, and, and it's exactly what we said, interested is interesting. When we're interested in people, it's interesting. People like to talk about themselves. You might go, oh, no, I don't. But actually, you do. You'll be amazed at how much you like talking about yourself. We all do. And you'll go, no, no, honestly, I don't. But trust me, you will like talking about yourself. And um, I often, I like interviews because it's, it's an amazing opportunity to have at least half an hour where I can just talk about me. It's wonderful. And, um, <laughs> but actually, because it's a situation where you're being asked questions, and you can just talk about some of the stuff you've done and your experience. And, and actually, I always think it's quite therapeutic and quite interesting when I go, oh, I did that, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. I, I like to find I do prepare for interviews. I haven't had one for a long time. But, um, but, but actually, when people ask us about it, we like it. If you went into work on Monday, assuming you do work, or you went to pick your kids up from the playground, or you went to whatever you do on a Monday morning, and everyone was asking about everyone else, but no one asked about you, you will not like it you'll feel left out. Because you want to be able to go, what did you do this weekend? I watched a film called The Loser. It was rubbish. Um, or whatever it is that you did. You want to talk about things. You want to talk about your experience and this sort of thing. But when people are interested in us, they become interesting. Timothy Keller, a uh, uh, pastor in the States in New York, puts it this way. He said, everybody's got a story. 
if you're able to inhabit that so well that people feel that you know their story better than they do, then show in a compelling way how that story is only going to find resolution in Jesus, then they're going to find a compelling case for Christ. So, but our understanding of evangelism is often that we've got to go and tell people, I've got to go, Andy, let me tell you about this. And you're sitting there thinking, have I got, I've got the cross in there. I've got salvation, I've got that. And you start, you're going down a spiritual list of what we need to say and tell Andy, because I, and just for, if anyone's concerned, he has become a Christian already. It's okay, I'm using it as an illustration. It's not that, you're not, okay, sorry. And, um, but actually, um, what's more important is finding out Andy's story. And as I inhabit that story, as I get involved in that story, and then I show Andy how Jesus can be involved in that story, there's something really powerful at that point. Doesn't that sound a lot less scary than to go and explain the gospel to someone? Doesn't it sound a little bit less weird? And we just try and go weird rather than just go normal. And um, because actually, I would, if I'm meeting up with a friend, I might just chat about the football. I'm more likely to start there than I am talking about um, the transfiguration or something because I, I tend not to have many conversations like that with non-Christian mates. I don't think that makes me less holy. I think Jesus would probably start with football. And we're going to come on to when Jesus starts in a minute. Because um, Jesus was the master of the question. Okay? We've got about 150 recorded questions from Jesus in Scripture. And, and do you know what his normal answer to a question is? Is a question. Jesus loves question. And, and he will just follow and go, here's a question, here's another question. And it, it's what I'd actually get quite annoyed if he was talking to me, I think, I'd be going, just give me an answer. But he doesn't do that. And I'm going to read a passage from um, John chapter 4, which is where Jesus talks with the Samaritan woman at the well. So, oh, look, he's there. And, um, wow. I'm going to read this one, so it's different to my version, so, um, which is the bit to be the version that I had, so I don't know what happened there. But anyway, let's read this one. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard it was gaining and baptising more disciples. It's always good when it's a competition, isn't it, Paul? Um, more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptised, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan came, woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you? It's really hard when you go over the page, isn't it? <laughs> It's like, Manuel's just playing with me. He says, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who is it asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with you, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our ancestor, Father Jacob? And his ancestors is another translation. Check it out. Who gave us a well and drank for it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, well up to eternal life, sometimes new life, I think. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. And you have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. 
I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you know, you now have is not your husband. What you have, is just, you just said, is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised and tried him talking to a woman. We'll leave it there. And um, so there's a whole load in this passage, okay? Um, there, there's, there's masses of it. But, um, but what I want to concentrate is just thinking about what, how Jesus interacts with this woman. This is a woman who's gone to a well at midday, which you don't go to a well at midday because it's hot. So either means there's a reason you don't want to be there or you're British. And um, so, but she's not that. So she's gone to a well because actually she knows what her life is like. She knows she's a, wo- a woman who's not seen as having a good reputation. She's seen as she's known as the woman who's had lots of husbands in the village. She wouldn't be there because if she went in the evening when the other women would have gone, then she would have had to listen to the tittle tattle and the whispers that would have been going on. So she's gone at a day when a time when no one would go there. And Jesus talks to her, and not only that, he asks her for some water which means that as a Jew, he's asking a Samaritan, something that wouldn't be done. Um, he's breaking cultural conventions left, right, and center, okay? But actually, he's interested in her. He asks her questions. He doesn't just say, this is reality. In fact, Jesus speaks in riddles quite often. He sometimes he speaks in ways that you think, wow, that's a bit confusing. Could you have said it this a little bit more simply? But Jesus just doesn't come up with a simple answer. He just talks in a way that she can understand, she can identify with, and makes her think. You remember years ago, those of us are old enough, so you've got to be my age or older. If you're younger, then don't be offended. Just be glad you're not as old as me. And um, there was um, uh, Tal Sid. You remember Tal Sid? All I need to say is Tal Sid. Who remembers Tal Sid? You're not that much younger, Andy. <laughs> so... Tau Sid was an advertising campaign for the, um, for the privatisation of um, British Telecom, and it was about the share purchase scheme. And, um, and, uh, British, gas. British Gas, that was British Gas. Yeah, there was another one for BT, wasn't there? But anyway, yeah, British Gas. And, um, but all it was was Tau Sid. That's what they said for ages. And it was like, well, who's Sid? Who's Sid? We want to know who Sid is. And, um, and eventually we found out, and then eventually we forgot and thought it was BT instead. And um, <laughs> so... But actually, it, there was enough dandled there to make you interested, to want to know more. And as we ask questions, we, we give people an opportunity to um, say where they're at, and we can hear their story. But that means evangelism is not so much about this, but so much about this. Because if you don't use your ears, and you don't hear their story, then you will not hear their story if you don't do it properly. Because you can't speak into something when you don't understand it. So actually, going back to Tim Keller's words, because these are great words. 
if you're able to inhabit that story so well that people feel you know their story better than they do, that's quite a challenge. To inhabit someone's story so well that you identify with them, you understand what they're going through, which is why I'd even go as far as say it's about this and this as well as your mouth. So actually, if you don't listen with your head and your heart, then you'll miss lots. And um, so we need to be great listeners to do evangelism, okay? Just like Jesus was in this passage. He listened and heard the woman's story. And actually, okay, Jesus has a slight advantage on us, okay? I'm going to put it out there that he is the son of God and therefore is probably a little bit better at this stuff than we are, okay? He probably gets it. He might get a word of knowledge than you or I. I'm just going to say this, okay? But we don't need to just say we need to be as amazing as Jesus. We just need to be as faithful as we can. And, um, but it means that when we listen to people's stories, we need to genuinely care. Though actually, we don't need to constantly interrupt. It's really great when you're preaching. And those of us who preach, will tell, they'll be able to tell you the same as this. There are normally two types of preachers. You look around at the congregation when you preach, okay? Some people... Some preachers don't actually look at people. They look like they're looking around, okay? I've, I know someone who, who said, <laughs> I just was really tired one morning. He's like, going, you look really grumpy when I was preaching. It's like, I'm just really exhausted today. This is years ago. And he's like, oh. I said, you, do you genuinely look at the grumpy people in a church when you're preaching? He's like, yeah. It's like, that's, how do you do that? Some people do that. Other people look at the people who give them feedback, normally positive, that they're nodding. So Ali's nodding at the moment, and he's often laughing. And, um, and, and actually, quite often, you look at those three or four people in the room. And if there's someone sitting next to them that looks a bit disengaged, you pick it up, OK? Just don't want to freak you out, but if you want me to name names. And, um, <laughs> but, so, but actually, in our conversation with people, we need to be that aware and that alert of who we're talking to. What are they saying? What aren't they saying? What do they mean when they say that? Do they actually say that, but they mean this? this we're talking emotional intelligence skills, OK? Emotional intelligence and evangelism go really hand in hand. You need to listen to what they say with your, both your ears and your eyes. Look for their body language. What are they saying? What are, they, what are they just desperate to say, but they're not being able to say it? Don't interrupt. If you interrupt, it might be a case of, sorry, can I just ask, did you mean this? George, did you say you, you support West Brom? <laughs> it's just hard to believe. No, but actually, um, <laughs> no, that's fair. They're a good team. I don't know what lead they play in, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's a tough gig, honestly. I'm from Southampton, so I can't take the mic. So, um, so, but you listen. Use your body to use your body language to tell people that you're listening. Don't be closed off. Be open when we talk to people about Jesus. Um, and and actually, sometimes it's worth repeating things back to them to check they do it. But make sure you listen. If they corrected you, so you didn't quite get it right, it's this. Listen really well, because when you listen incredibly well, it's, if you want to search, look, search active listening, okay. Anyone um, who's a counsellor will know all about this. Anyone who does anything, particularly around mental health stuff, you'll, you'll do stuff around active listening. So Hendrik, when he comes and does a mental health training with us, will learn all about active listening. I don't even know where he's gone. Oh, he's there. Um, sorry, I kept on seeing you. I was looking at you as well, early on. Um, but active listening, the stuff that you, we do, we're active in our listening. We're intentional in our listening. Whereas we're more often intentional in our conversation rather than our listening. And as we listen and hear their story, we need to be going, 
well, actually, what part of God's story? I don't need to explain the whole gospel to someone. The gospel is amazing, okay? It's life-transforming. It's powerful beyond measure. You can see people's lives completely turned around through the gospel, and we need to understand and believe that. But we also need to understand that people need to hear certain things at certain points. That actually, the reality is, if you've got a friend who's just messed up their life because they've made really poor decisions, telling them that we've all sinned is probably not what they need to hear because they know that intimately at that moment in time. But knowing that actually there can be grace that can forgive them is a really powerful thing. That actually, for me, and, and actually it's, it's a really interesting thing to do, is go, actually, what was the thing that made you become a Christian? What was a really... What's the standout thing that you do? And it might be, actually, I wanted God's love. Or um, I need to know I was forgiven. For me, it was none of that. It really wasn't that interesting in comparison for me. But actually, becoming a Christian for me was about giving me a real purpose. Because it suddenly gave me a purpose that I could live. And, and actually, if I hadn't become a Christian, I would have just been campaigning about something else, probably, because that's who I was. And... Um, but I just, as, as I met Jesus, like, but this is my life to campaign for. This is my purpose. This is who I am. This is what I am. And this is what my life is now. I go out and do. Um, and there are different parts of our, our life that we'll, we'll, God will speak into and that we'll need to hear. And actually, our non-Christian friends need to hear the parts of the gospel they need to hear. Because actually, if you go back to chapter before, Jesus talks to Nicodemus, and he talks to Nicodemus in a very different way to he talks to the woman at the well. And he addresses different things. And, um, and that's because Jesus invests in the person and inhabits their stories and then demonstrates how the gospel that he brings makes a difference in those lives. So I want you to think, okay, we've talked about loving people, and that's really good, and that just works alongside this, okay? It's not that one's separate, one's better than the others. They go hand in hand. In fact, I fundamentally believe if you do mission without evangelism, you're just being nice to people. And actually, there's a lot of really nice people out there. They're just not on Twitter. And, um, but there, there are some really nice people out there. There's some amazing things to people, and they have no idea who Jesus is. Okay, because you can be really nice without knowing Jesus. But, um, but actually, what we've got is something more powerful, where we've got a story we can tell, where when we demonstrate the love of God and we declare the gospel, there's something very powerful that goes on. And we just need to do it in a way that involves going, what's your story? How does God want to work in your story? And it's, it's a lot harder, okay? It's a lot easier just to vomit up the gospel. It might look weird, but it's a lot easier, trust me. Um, but actually, and sometimes you'll have friends that you'll just suddenly find, you're just leading them through the gospel really quickly. That happens sometimes. Um, and you'll suddenly go from a point of they don't want to know to suddenly they want to follow Jesus. And you, you just say, oh, wow, that wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. That sometimes happens, but that's rare. The average person takes at least three years to come to faith. So we're talking slow, gradual, build up. And you're thinking, but what? But God wants him in his kingdom now. What if he comes again? Then Jesus knows what he's doing, and the Holy Spirit is a lot better at doing his job than you are. So um, you can trust the Holy Spirit to work, and it's fine. But actually, free yourself up from this mindset of you've got to shout the gospel and speak it all the time. But you've changed it to a mindset, I've got to listen so I can speak into with purpose. 
And actually, those opportunities that we often miss because we're a bit worried, actually, because we've not been weird up to lead up to that, it's a bit easier to say them. And, and you don't need to be obsessed about saying everything. Because actually, the people at a checkout behind me would get really annoyed if I gave the whole gospel explanation to the, to the cashier. Okay? It would just be annoying. And I would give you, if it ever happens, tell me off. Because you shouldn't be doing it. But, but, um, but it's the little things you drop in. The little things you say, the, the conversations you have on a Monday, the little things you share that speak into the situation that people have can change our friends' lives. And I don't know about you, but actually, I know that Jesus is quite amazing. And we forget. And we, we sometimes don't, this isn't a did it, Hendrick, but we don't amen and we go, yeah, that's great. But then we go out on Monday, we forget it. And actually, but Jesus is genuinely quite amazing. And actually, there is that moment where you encounter God and you see Jesus and you realise what he's done for you and it is mind-blowing. And, and if someone's watching or is in a room and you're going, but I don't know this Jesus you've talked about, I don't think he is that amazing so I've not encountered him, find out more because he is amazing. Because he wants to speak into your life, into your story. Whether you've known him for 500 years, probably not that long, or you're still trying to explore him. You're trying to work out, does he even exist? Jesus wants to speak into your story. And actually, if you're in that place, just, just ask God now to go speak into my story, and he will. I guarantee he will. And ask any friends you've got who are Christians, go, how would God speak into my story? And they should tell you. No pressure, everyone else. <laughs> because Jesus is amazing. And actually, there is something, and it, whether it be that purpose, that forgiveness, that love, or whatever reason people come to faith, whatever you're exploring now, if you are at that point where you want to go, I want some of that, then all you need to do is simply say, yes, Jesus, I want that. That's it. I want that, and I want to follow you, and I have no idea what that means, but I'm going to have a go. You don't need to have all the answers. When, you're, when, I, when I started walking, I didn't know how to do it. I kept on trying and kept on falling over. And eventually I got there. And that's pretty much how my Christian life has been. And that's, So you don't need all the answers, but it's the opportunity to go, yes, Jesus, I want you. I have no idea what that means, but I want to find out about you, and I, I need you in my life. So if you're this morning thinking that, just say yes. It's all you need to say. It's the most powerful prayer you can ever pray. Simple word, yes, Jesus. So... Um, but what we're going to do, we are going to pray and then just ask Jesus to help us. And we're going to pray that God gives us all an opportunity to not be weird, but to listen and share Jesus with a friend this week. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're amazing. I thank you that actually if we want to say yes to you this morning, that you will speak into our life. That we don't always understand what it means as we take the next step with you. But when we say yes, it's a powerful moment as we respond to you and you respond to our call. And Father, I just pray for all of us that know you. Father, it's easy to get out on a Monday morning and to forget, but actually, Father, I just pray that as we go out this morning, that you'll help us to listen to people. You'll help us to hear their stories and you'll help us to inhabit them so much that we can demonstrate how you can bring change in their life and that you can be the answer that they need so make us people that bring hope to people through their stories and what you've done
Amen.